I sometimes wonder when I uh, use that uh, greeting in uh, the message if the word patience should be a regular part of that. Because you and I live in a day of extreme impatience. I don't know about you, but sometimes we just want to get up and just say, when will it end? When will it end? And we can say those words from two basically different perspectives. One is our own personal perspective, and that is as we look at our lives and the things that we uh, either have dealt with or are currently dealing with, you know, Lord, when will it end? When will uh, my, you know, spouse figure me out? When will, you know, we stop fighting? When will we, you know, learn how to get along with our neighbors? When will we get over this pain, this suffering, this sickness, this disease? And that barely scratches the surface. And then we say, Lord, when will it end when we look at the world that is around us? The reality this week, I was thinking about this, and particularly listening uh, somewhat to the pastor's conference and looking at uh, this world that you and I are in and thinking about my daughter Julia. And do you know that she'll be 18 in November, but she has never known our country not to be at war? She's never known what it's like not to have the threat over her head and her generation of terrorism. She's never known what it's like to walk into a school and feel like it's fully a safe place when it seems like every month there's another shooting, another killing. Lord, when will it end? It's a tough day we live in, isn't it? And then let's just talk some of the, you know, the daily practical things that seem to be in the news. How about, you know, Lord, when will we learn to just get along with each other? When will we learn to be able to talk decently as men and women, as fellow citizens and people of God, whether we have the same religion or not, when will we realize that we live in this world together and actually are given to each other? Lord, when will it end? And you know what? It's so bad, Lord, let's just say it. When are you coming back? All that gets back to this whole image of the section in particular I wanted to focus on from our reading in James chapter 5 today about patience. Lord, when? There are two ways for us to look at and think about patience. One is, you know, it's a positive thing. It's a positive thing that in the midst of the trials, the suffering, the people of James, that James was writing to remember, these are the persecuted ones. These are the ones who have been scattered. And on the positive side, they have this wonderful reminder from him that the Lord is coming be patient, therefore, until the, Lord, the coming of the Lord. That's good news. Because he's telling us this will not go on perpetually without end. There's hope. The Lord has a plan. 
And I love the fact of the scripture that I incorporated into my greeting to you and our collect of the day, but that is the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. See, our seemingly makeup at this point is that, you know, his delay to us is, you know, a problem. But to me, on those days when I get up and I say, Lord, just come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And I'm thankful for his spirit and word that redirect me and calm me enough to say, but wait, James, there are still millions and billions who have yet to believe. And I thank you, Lord, for your patience. So what are we to do in the meantime? What are we to do? Do we just, in a sense, sit idly by and say, well, he's coming, I don't know when, and we go about our lives and we kind of begin to forget about the fact that as people of God who have been transformed to our new creations in the waters of our baptism, do we just kind of step back and say, well, you know, I'm just kind of waiting. Or do we realize that he has engaged us and he has called us to be living in this world, in the midst of all that is going on, in such a way that he is going to work through us. We gain patience, my friends, by being people in his word. We gain patience by drawing upon the sacrament of our baptism and the Lord's Supper. We gain patience by continually being reminded in the means of grace that God has a plan and it is being fulfilled. And he has promised us that all of his promises will be true. Everything thus far has been that way, and we can rely and trust in the fact that it will continue that way. So be patient. As James says, like a farmer. A farmer, we patiently endure. We put that seed in the ground. I remember when I was a child, and, and I was drawn, as some of you have known, to you know, agriculture, or at least botany, as my neighbor's uh, uh, father was. And those first couple of years, it was kind of hard to till that ground, weed it, fertilize it, mulch it, plant those seeds, and have to wait. <laughs> and for some of them, those, some of those seeds, more than two weeks. And I'm like, are they bad seeds? Do I need to dig it up? Do I need to plant new ones? Is our water not good enough? Is there too much chlorine in the city water? Is it affecting my seeds? Patience wasn't easy. How wonderful to know, though, the Lord is always at work. We are called, my friends, to set our hearts and our eyes on the coming of the Lord, to keep our eyes on the goal of our faith. And this text in a way what uh, Paul, uh, James is dealing with here is calling us not to focus then on things of this world, but to endure and to hold on until we see Christ return. So what's he urge us to do? He urges us not to grumble and complain about what happens to us. How you doing on that one? 
I have to say, too often I end up failing. You know, you just, we just kind of want life to get back to normal. You know, no, no bumps in the road, no, you know, no distractions, no sorrows, no hurts. And I need someone, or I need the Lord in whatever means He chooses, but at times He's got to come in and say, James, that's not the reality in this world. You live in a sin-tainted world. He even tells us in the Scriptures that even you know, the creation groans as if the, with the birth, you know, the pains of childbirth. So he tells us to, in our text then to you know, uh, hold on and endure like the prophets of old. And he makes reference to you know, that of uh, Job. The only place Job is actually mentioned in the New Testament. Some would uh, say that um, part of Job's suffering was, you know, that it was his own sin. And his friend said, just curse God and get it over with. But he was patient. Because he understood that much of what we often end up suffering in this life is not so much the direct effect of our sin, although that is part of it, but it is also the fact that you and I live in a sin-tainted world. I think I told uh, in a sermon last year about the fact is, growing up, I had two friends killed on their bicycles. And I can remember, even as a young boy, hearing people say, well, it was their fault. Or was it the one who was drunk driving who hit him? Or the one who was speeding at more than 50 miles an hour on a residential road and hit the other one? The reality is we live in a sin-tainted world and things often happen because of sin that has literally infiltrated and infected everything. So we look to the Lord in faith. We're called to wait patiently on this one. He tells us in the beginning of our, our readings from James in chapter 1, blessed is the man who remains steadfast, who stands under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So James is saying, keep on. Stay the course. Know that the Lord's holding on to you. Don't give up. What shall we do as we wait? Pray. I marvel that our God has given us the privilege of going to, as I even said in our offering prayer, His throne of grace. Because I realize I don't deserve it. He lets us come to Him. He lets us talk to Him. He lets us share with Him you know, our prayers of, of need and supplication, our prayers of thanksgiving. 
And even though he already knows everything we've done wrong, he awaits us to come to him in confession and to acknowledge those areas and to receive from him again his embrace of love and forgiveness. He says in the text, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. If anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. Let our lives be filled with prayer as we wait and praise. Every time we have the opportunity when the doors are open to worship, what better place for us to be? No wonder a regular part of our prayer life should include that of praise, of adoration, of holding up and thanking the Lord for who he is and what he has done and what he continues to do in our lives. The reality, you and I are still in this world that is attacking us. We're still you know, dealing with the effects of our own sin and our own wandering and and he tells us further when we read uh, in Paul's writing to the Ephesians, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, not ours. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You and I, we struggle against many spiritual foes, whether it's persecution of sorts, whether it's our own physical suffering, whether it's the brokenness of the world, whether it's the attack of others around us, whether it's just the effect, as I said, of sin tainting this whole world. But how wonderful to know we're not alone. That we not only have a God who hears us and waits to receive from us our prayers, but we are given to each other. Pray for each other, he calls us to. Pray. He calls us to pray. What do, what do we do while we wait? The last one before I bring us to our conclusion is that of confessing our sins to one another. I know when we use a traditional corporate prayer of confession like we have done this morning out of the liturgy. It's helpful. But I can tell you the ones that help me the most are when James begins to name his sins. Put a name on them. Face up to them. Too often if it's just a, Lord, I'm a poor, miserable sinner, I know it, but Sometimes I have to be able to really identify and recognize where is it that I have been wandering? Where is it that I've been straying? I pray that in the closest relationships you have, not only within your family, but whoever is the greatest accountability partner in your walk of faith with you, and if you don't have one, I will be praying that the Lord will help provide one to disciple and walk with you and you with them. 
this gift we are given to confess our sins to one another. That, my friends, brings hope. That, my friends, helps us to endure in the midst of waiting for the Lord's return. But here's one more that is at least not directly noted in the reading from James 5 today, but needs to be addressed and is there underlying it, and that is, is God is working while we wait. God is working while we wait. This morning at the 11 o'clock service, there are three baptisms. A newborn, five-month-old, the great-grandchild to Marilyn Scheimer. And as I do with every baptism, whether you're intricately involved in church or not, I do a pre-baptism meeting instruction. Mom was not baptized. Part of that was the death of an aunt a number of years ago, one of Marilyn's daughters. And Ma, her, the mother of these, uh, this daughter wanted her children to decide. Talk about patience, right? When we believe in the power and the work of the Spirit and forgiveness and baptism. But here comes the great-granddaughter. Here comes the granddaughter. And guess what? She's on the phone with one of her sisters and says, Well, I've not been baptized e- either. Why won't I? And I met with her yesterday. Or I think of my sister-in-law and her death at the age of 25 uh, and their belated honeymoon, whitewater rafting in New Zealand. And you're like, how could anything good come from that? But I know five baptisms from that death and the proclamation of the gospel in her life and the testimony of faith and hope of my brother-in-law. God works while we wait, even when we can't see what he's doing. God is always orchestrating the events of heaven and earth to accomplish his purposes in our lives. My dear friends, we are called in this text to recognize we must wait. We await the Lord's return. We await him to come and to take us to be with him. But in the meantime, there is much for us to do. We'll face trials. We'll face tribulations. We'll be tempted to depart from the faith. While we wait, let us keep our eyes on Christ. He has done great things for us, and greater things are even yet still in store. Keep the faith. Hold on. It won't be long. Be patient. Amen.